Humans have been telling stories for thousands of years, and here's why. Stories activate our emotions, and whenever you combine emotion to new information, that knowledge sticks with us for a lot longer. That's why I'm on a quest to discover true modern stories by the people who live them so that we may all learn wisdom from it. My name is Cole. Thanks for joining me on the summit of Mentor Mountain. Some of you may know that I'm a realtor for my day job. I'm not just a full-time podcaster. And the industry needs to change. A lot of a lot of things need to change about it. And a lot of realtors are incompetent these days. And that has to do with how things are structured. Now, imagine having the vision to completely change that industry. That is what Jennifer Yo is doing. And she's built quite the empire doing it. So today we get to hear her story on how she's entered into the realtor field, uh, become a broker, and just built this massive empire. She has a lot of wisdom to share. So without further ado, here's Jen. Before you got into real estate, you were working in PR, yes. right? How did it- you transition? Go yeah. ahead. Funny enough, it was a tech PR. And so like, semantic was our biggest client and and i was just the mm-hmm. online researcher so i just go find where the news news outlets were saying their names and so i, I was put in this basement with another employee and and we would just research all day long and mm. but we'd have so much fun together because she was just hilarious but when the when our bosses came down i was like back to work and she was flipping <laughs> off and so she got fired <laughs> and she's from from a family of realtors and she calls me. She said, Jen, come get your real estate license. And I was like, why would I have a great career here? I'm the online research manager. There's no reason for me to leave. And yeah. I really liked PR. And so, um, but she begged and begged and begged. So I finally was like most realtors and thought, well, I'll just get my license and do it on the side. Mm-hmm. And then I realized quickly after our first couple of deals we did, did together, how much I love this industry. I love mm-hmm. working with people. I love watching people buy one of the biggest assets they'll ever buy. And so it was one of those where I was like, this is going to be my career for the rest of my life. So that's kind of mm-hmm. how that all evolved into switching into real estate. And so I, I quit that job probably a couple of years later and went full-time into real estate. What was it? What were your feelings like when you went full-time into real estate? Was it nerve-wracking, exciting, uh, any deeper than that? A little bit of both because... So because of this girl that brought me into the industry, she wanted me to be her business partner. And I thought, well, that's great. I love synergy. I was born a twin. I love, you know, what can happen with two people's mentalities. And and yeah. so I was like, this is great. And then she, uh, her and her husband got pregnant with their fifth child and she decided to stop the industry altogether and just be a stay-at-home mom. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. We just got the, in this together. We're doing really good. Like we had sold yeah. four or five homes together and she was like, I'm out. And I was just like, I'm not a quitter. And I love this career. So I'm going to figure it out. So there's always that trepidation with anything new and anything that would change. But it was, I think in that moment, I realized how much grit I needed to have in order to be in this business. And Mm -hmm. I knew that I couldn't run from, let my fears run me. It was, I'm going to push forward and figure out how to do this. And that was 2005 or 2006. Mm -hmm. And then the 2008 downturn hit. And yeah. that was a whole new set of grit. <laughs> yeah. How did that play out? And it was crazy. And, and, you know, I I had gone through a divorce and I was single at the time. So for me, it was easier than I than some of my colleagues that I watched had families. They had to get 
new jobs and get out of the industry. And mm-hmm. that was hard to watch, but I, I, I had it easy because I was renting a room from a friend and it was just like, I'm, I'm okay right now, but I mm-hmm. still made it through the downturn with, um, you know, truly putting one foot in front of the other. And I know I've got to learn something. And so for me at the time, it was like, I better learn short shells, short cells and REOs really mm-hmm. fast. Mm-hmm. So I did, I dove in. I figured it out. I went to the conventions. I did everything I could to be the best in real estate I could possibly be. And um, thank goodness, and I made it through some of the toughest years. And um, in 2011, when I could feel the downturn coming back up and we're, we're kind of recovering, that's when I started my company. Because I was like, this is mm. the best time to start a company as there's yeah. going to be a climb outside of what just happened. So that was kind of how that whole downturn worked. And then I started Presidio in 2011. That's amazing. Well, yeah. so there, I have no doubt that it takes a ton of grit to get through those few years. Um, and I'm sure a lot of agents are feeling that right now with interest rates and whatnot and thinking, I remember thinking, yeah, this is coming. I'm just going to tough it out, put some money aside and, and really make sure that I have the market share going into it when it starts recovering. But it's one thing to think that, but then it's another thing to really, you know, just hunker down and and do it. What was one thing or what were a few things that got you through that? Was there one thing that in particular that actually helped? Well, I think for me, I'm addicted to um, accomplishments. Like I mm. love that feeling like so much. So on a daily basis, even like a, 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 a list of things I need to do. And if I can cross it off, there's this yeah. dopamine rush of, I, I got something done. And so for me, um, sitting in fear through the, th- those times, those tough times, those scary times, the changes was so unproductive. And so I mm-hmm. took that time to recognize that I, 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 can't, I have to ignore fear. I have to mm-hmm. more change. I have to keep doing what I know works. And at the in the same sense, it was all mindset. There there was this people still have to buy and sell homes. So if all the agents are rushing out of it, I've got to figure out how to buy and sell the homes that are on the market right now, which is short sales and REOs. And so for me it was I'm going to be the one then that finds them. And I would go knock doors and say, do you know, mm-hmm. you know, where are you at? Do you need help? Are you, do you understand what's happening in the industry and really educate people? And then you'd see people that were like, I mean, I sat in people's living room that were going through foreclosure and counseled with them and cried with them and helped them understand what they were going through, but what I could do for them. And to this day, they're still my clients because it, you know, having that sense of if I, if I'm living in fear, I'm not here to give to others and take care of you. And so changing that mentality of I've got to get rid of the fear so that I can be of value to clients is is truly the secret sauce in this business is how mm-hmm. do I become a value to people, to families, to, to clients? How do I become a value? And if you're stuck in fear every day because things are changing, you won't be a value. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, it, it reminds me of a book. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Jonathan Livingston Siegel. It's a silly book. It's it's written That's almost like it's a children's. Book? Yeah. Oh. Jonathan Livingston Siegel. And and I'm such a nerd when it comes to books and especially self-growth ones. I love them. But this one, it was like an hour and a half long book. It's like five bucks on Audible. 
Yeah. My favorite book by far. And there's this one part where, and it's a story about a seagull and it's written like a children's book, but it's so powerful. And all the other seagulls at this one point are saying to Jonathan, who's done this amazing thing with how he's flying, right? It's all about his flight and how fast he is. And he's just done this amazing thing. And these seagulls say, wow, you're really ahead of your time. And he gives some thought to that. And he says, well, I guess time really has nothing to do with it. Um, this, I mean, this knowledge has been here all along. And, and really what it comes down to is I've just been less afraid to learn these things. And when, we, when we're fearful, you don't realize how fast you can progress without fear. Oh, yeah. And once you set that stuff aside, it also opens room for empathy and we can really start growing and put ourselves out there and, and make meaning to the world. So I love that. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Um, sure. I'm sure a lot of people going through the slow market need to hear something like that. For sure. Yeah. Now, you started Presidio going into the market, picking up. What was your vision for Presidio when you, when you started out? Well, it's kind of funny because it's not this big, noble, crazy thing at first. Because um, my builder that I was working with at the time said, Jen, get your broker's license. He didn't like the broker I was working with at the time. So he said, get your broker's license. And I was kind of like, okay. So I got my broker's license for that reason, never really thinking I was going to go be a, a broker owner and start a company. And um, during that time, two of my, the biggest colleagues at the brokerage I was at went to prison for loan fraud. And I just remember thinking, oh my goodness, like our poor, you know, community that has been yeah. affected by these these agents that are out basically creating fraud all over the place. It's It just put a bad rap on everybody, made us all look bad. And so there was this sense of, as I started to consider working with my broker, my builder, things weren't selling. It was still 2011. It was tough. 2011-12. It was like, I've got to create something that's meaningful and can change lives. And so I, I set up the company with the mentality of raising the bar in the industry. And that included everything from better education to better um, standards of who can come and work at the company and those types of things. And so um, that was kind of the whole meaning behind what I wanted to do. And I was grateful for a lot of examples that taught me of what I don't want to do and also examples of top, that taught me what I do want to do as, as a business owner. And mm. um, it's been quite a crazy journey. I mean, that was almost 13 years ago. And it's one of those things where, you know, we're one of the top three in market share in the state now we're top five largest companies in the state and there's 3,500 brokerages. So to, to get to that point, I mean, there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears that goes through to the, from here to here, but yeah. it, it's, it's something I'm very proud of and something I'm very grateful for the opportunity to have brought to the marketplace. But yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. That's well, I'm, I would imagine that there were a lot of mental walls that you had to bust through to get to where you are right now oh, were yeah. there any memorable ones that you can think of that you could tell us about well i still have a lot of them i feel like um i am a sensitive and i think this is what makes me a really good broker i'm sensitive i care i want to give a lot to people i want to make sure they feel supported and loved and important and um 
this the hardest part about that is this is a really transient business. And so as mm -hmm. a broker, you'll you'll have agents that come and go all the time. And you can't take it personal, but man, it sometimes affects you when you feel like you've dumped everything you can into certain individuals and then they, they mm -hmm. leave the company for one reason or another, whether they're happy or not when they leave. And it, it can be it can be really painful because it's not one of those things that um, you think comes with a lot of businesses. It's just in this business, it's very transient. So there's a lot yeah. of lessons I've had to learn. And a lot of that is to not take a lot of things personal and to, to have have a better emotional EQ to, to know, you know, understand people and understand. And I feel like I understand people really well. And yet in the same sense, it, it doesn't negate the fact that I still have my own personal feelings and emotions, you know? But yeah, yeah. there's a lot, I mean, lessons like that on the emotional side, then, there, then there's things like, I didn't even know how to read a profit and loss when I started the company. <laughs> and so <laughs> I've had to learn a lot about business. I did not yeah. major in business in college. I only majored in marketing. So there's so many lessons. And I think there's so many entrepreneurs out there in the world that just don't, we have the spirit, we want to be entrepreneurs, but we don't have the know-how. There's not, yeah. a, you really learn almost every day of your career of how to run a company, how to run a business, how to deal with employees, how to deal with this, how to deal with that. It's crazy how much. So I'm constantly learning and I'm super grateful for it. It's made me the person I am today. And I think that I'll just keep getting better if I keep learning these lessons. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But that's a rough journey still. Um, yeah. And, and I think sometimes when people go out on their own and start a business, they like the idea of being self-employed, but they don't like all of the aspects of being an entrepreneur. And and I think why that's why the real estate industry, especially you have people coming in and leaving so often the industry as a whole, because being self-employed sounds great. But and, and it's nice, it's flexible, but then uh, there are a lot of the unsexy parts like running a business and, and, and you're not just self-employed, you're, you're in charge of a lot of people and, and responsible for them. And uh, I just think it's amazing what you've grown. Is there, what would you, cons what, so from the time that you started and, and maybe at a point where you were kind of a small brokerage to now what helped you grow from from small to where you are right now so you say you love books there's this book called who not how have you read that i've heard of it actually yeah. very recently i want to read it yeah and one thing you learn well it, it's funny because as you build your own company man overhead you got to watch right so how many employees mm -hmm. can i actually have but in the same sense how how far does my skill set go and mm -hmm. so you have to understand when and who to bring on your team that can help you go further. And so I have yeah. put in about eight years and it's it's unsexy. I mean, I, I had I would close my own real estate transactions and I would take those commissions. Thank goodness my husband is making good money and I put it back into the company. And so nice. I'm funding everything to grow. But I believed so strongly in where I was going and what I was doing that it was worth it to me. But you, you hit a point, and it was about five years in of owning the company, where you you go, okay, I can't be stupid anymore. And if that's mm. the fact that I'm dumping all my money into something, it wasn't like it was draining or bleeding, because it was thriving. It was just not, I knew it needed to be more. And so yeah. it, 
the choice to scale meant I had to bring on the right who's, the right people, mm. the right people with different skill sets that I didn't have. And so I started hiring a few few people, a, a president, a CFO, a CSO, those types of things. And when you hit those that level, when you're bringing on the right who's, and believe me, I made lots of mistakes on who's. I think they're great, bring them on. And it was like, oops, bad idea. Mm. But um, you then become a rocket ship. When you have different skill sets that push this the needle forward. So that was kind of my big you know, finding the right people. Year five, six, seven, eight, man, we doubled every year. Doubled size, doubled size, double size. And so it, it really truly is, it's hard to be an entrepreneur and know how much responsibility is in your hands, but then to also know the balance of you can't do it all. So we got to mm -hmm. find somebody else to help come in and do exactly what you're trying to do. And that was kind of the key to it. And nerve wracking, I'm sure, bringing on those first few people at what point did you realize that that was a good choice bringing on those people? Was it shortly after or did it take some time? Um, you know, I, I read people fairly well, but I also, the good news about being, being a owner is the buck stops with you. So, you know, if, it, if, if they lied to you and you're, they're not who they say they are, you just let them go. But mm. You know, you want to trust people, you want to give people a chance and you want to make sure that they feel like they're part of something bigger than just themselves. And so there's that fine balance of allowing them enough space to grow as themselves in their own way, but also help the company grow. Um, but yeah, I mean, you just you got to watch people and understand people to know whether or not they're they're going to take you go with you where you're going or if they're going to be a drag. And if they're a drag, get rid of them fast. That's one lesson I had to learn because I have the biggest heart ever. And there were people mm -hmm. that worked for me that I felt bad for. And so it was hard for me to say, you got to go. And I learned that yeah. lesson really quick because by the time they quit on me and, and then went and, you know, drug my name through the mud or whatever, it was like, oh my gosh, I was being nice to you for four years. <laughs> so you learn a lot mm -hmm. of lessons about um, if they're the wrong fit, move on quickly. Oh man. Yeah. I, that's really rough though, especially when you're putting so much emotion into somebody and that happens. Is, so do you solve that through an upfront conversation with your employees when you're hiring somebody? Do you say like, hey, this is what I expect you to do. And if not, then this X, Y, Z. Well, I've had to learn that, Cole. It's not like that came natural in the beginning. Because again, I never yeah. went through business schooling or anything like that. So yeah. I just had this drive that I couldn't figure out what to do with. So, you know, it was definitely something, a learned trait to go, okay, now I've got to set up expectations when people come into my business and say, this is what I'm looking for. Can you bring that? And the beautiful thing about that is typically people remember that moment. And so they don't mm. forget that Jen says she really, she expects um, reliability. And that's the most important thing to her. They don't forget that. And then that evolves them as a person as well, as an, as an employee and as a team member, it really evolves them because they, they start to realize what's important to other people as well around them rather than what's just important to them. But yeah, it's a, a learned skill for sure. No, I, I definitely believe that. That's, that's not an easy thing to do, especially when you're mapping out your own expectations and, and sometimes you have them, but you, you don't know that you have them. And you have to put them into words and map the structures out and whatnot. And I guess we could, let's get into that. How did you come up with the structure for Presidio? Because I'm sure that took a lot of thought. Did it evolve or did you just 
pick the type of structure you wanted for the brokerage after deciding your mission and just stick with it? Or how did that come about? Well, coming out of the downturn, I, I recognized that um, a lot of things, that agencies didn't have a lot of money anymore. I mean, money was scarce for them and it was hard for them. And I also recognized that during the downturn, I had paid my previous broker about $40,000 that year. And I remember mm. not feeling like I got anything from it. And so there was this sense of, I think I can figure out a way to make money. To, I mean, make a company succeed with, you know, by making money while, while saving agents as much money as possible. Yeah. And so I put together what I wanted as an agent. I want as much support, as much training, as much this for as little as you'll take out of my pocket. And at the time, you know, I, I quickly got about 20 agents fast when I started, started up because that's I, a lot. Well, I was the president of a, a little organization called Women's Council of Realtors. And so I, worked, oh, okay. I was a leader in front of people anyway. And so it seemed like there was a lot of people attracted to me and what I was doing anyway. And so that, that, you know, 20 people is about where it went for the beginning. And, and I just had to, had to learn, you know, really quickly how to make it work, but also make it profitable. And yeah. so it was hard for a while. Like I said, I was closing my own transactions and then putting it back in the company. And so there, there came this point in my career where I had to figure out, okay, I either have to scale or I have to close doors. And, um, you know, the hard thing about being a boutique brokerage like that is the people that are there with you, they love the boutique feel. They mm. love the, it's just us. But the problem is it wouldn't be us at all if we weren't profitable. And yeah. they couldn't understand that. But my business yeah. mind could. And so there was a few people that were really upset about me wanting to scale and grow the company. And for me, it was, well, I'm keeping the doors open for you. And for them, it was, no, don't, we don't like change. And the truth is, change is inevitable. Yeah. Will every single day have change. And so it's a matter of mindset on that change. Like, okay, what good could come from this, right? Rather than, no, I don't like change. I'm, I'm adverse to it. So it was definitely a matter of figure out how to make it work. So I, if I was going to be a flat fee brokerage, I had to scale it to a size that made sense. And yeah. that, that, made a lot of people upset. I, I had people leave me. I have, you know, but then I had a lot more people join. We're like, this is exactly what we're looking for. So for me, there's always a give and a take in everything you do. And that was one of them. And putting it together that way was the right thing. And it afforded me to grow for many, many years. And then now we're in a market where our agents really need more. They're kind of mm -hmm. wandering going, what do we do now? So, of course, I'm always evolving and always changing. So I've just recently added a whole new set of tools and systems and everything for agents if they want it. So it's kind of a cool little way to, you know, see how I've grown the company, but also evolved in a way that's right for the time. Yeah. Well, I love that. Um, and I appreciate all of your efforts that you put into education because I came from the same brokerage you did before you started your own brokerage and I was sold on the education. I was new and, um, and I was told when I decided to switch brokerages to Presidio that it's not going to be as good of education. You're not going to have as much support. And I was pleasantly surprised that there was so much more support and so much more education. And uh, even though I, I'm at the point where I'm not, you know, going to classes all the time and, and I'm not that new agent, I still 
admire all of the efforts that Presidio goes through to come up with new programs and new support systems to help people because that that takes a lot of work and there's not a lot of upfront payment from that. For sure. So I'm sure that's a little bit nerve wracking when you're rolling out a new program, not knowing how it's going to be accepted. But thank you. That's but so then cool. you're, yeah, well, of course. And, and I'm sure that's not easy, but you, you're probably used to that at this point being in marketing. You never know how your market, how, how it's going to be accepted. Um, there's always that little bit of skepticism when you go and, and roll out a new thing, but well, cool. Uh, how did you process 20 agents or so when you're a new broker? And now for those of you who are listening, brokers are responsible for the majority of what agents do in a way they're, they're very liable for agents. And so just taking on agents is also taking on a lot of liability legally. So you're a brand new broker. And if the brokerage test is anything like the the realtor test to become an agent, you still are a little bit new with what oh, yeah. you with what you probably should know. Yeah. How did you deal with the 20 agents? Oh, well, you know, for one, I, I think I had had brought on people that were seasoned enough. I didn't, I, I, for a long time, I told people I wasn't set up for brand new agents, but mm. I brought on people that, in fact, I learned a lot from some of the agents that I brought over. There were people that were in the industry longer than me. And so I think together we, we created more of like a, a team in a way that we really could support each other. But I had created enough good relationships in the industry for brokers that I really, um, it's they, they really inspired me that I knew I could pick up the phone and call if there was something I'm like, I don't even know what's happening. But there's enough resources out there for brokers too. I mean, you can call the division and say, what what am I supposed to do with this? And they'll tell you. So <laughs> yeah, that's nice. That's nice to have that support system. Well, very cool. Um, so how many agents do you have now, give or take? Right under 600, like 575, something like that. That's amazing. How many branches? Um, 15 total, but a bun- a few of those are in the cloud. So kind of like no no actual physical location, but 11 locations. That's amazing. Yeah. How So what's your vision for Presidio's future now that it's built up to this amazing empire? Well, obviously my goal was always to raise the bar in the industry. And I feel like every state needs that. And so my mentality is to scale across the United States. Um, I think this new Presidio 2.0 that we've created are, is really giving us the tools to do that really easily. So I feel like that's right on my horizon of going into another state. We're, we're, we're in Idaho right now, but it's just right over the border at Bear Lake. And so we are, I'm just at that place to grow and expand across the country. Oh, that's so cool. Well, I, I'm rooting for you. I believe in you. Yeah. Now, in regards to the real estate industry, is there anything that if you could have it your way, how would you change the real estate industry? Oh my gosh. I've told the higher ups multiple times that the barriers of entry need to be better. You know, we need Mm. to have 120 hours or whatever it is to get your license is nothing. That's a joke. Stuff they teach you, you never use. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, here at Presidio, we have a, a mandatory mentor program. 
if you're a brand new agent, you have to close at least three deals with a mentor, which is a seasoned agent. Mm. And the reason for that, again, we're raising the bar, but things like that need to be standard across the entire industry, making sure that there's not these, because if, if we're servicing the customer, I mean, the, the communities of our, where we live, being a total professional is, it, there really shouldn't be any question on not mm-hmm. knowing the paperwork, understanding the nuances to every transaction. And so even three is hard to say that you'll even be trained at that but yeah. we also know that agents don't want to share their commissions with other people. It's like, I just, just give me my commission because it's yeah. an expensive industry to be in too. But in the same sense, it is, there's so much need for better education, better leaders, better structure, better um, knowledge for brokers. When I, when I first became a broker, I went to the Salt Lake Board and said, there's nothing for brokers to feel like they have a support system to say, hey, what's mm. this? Am I doing this right? Am I running my trust accounts right? What, you know, and there was nothing out there. And so I think it, I don't know if I was a huge influence on this, but they started to do a broker town hall meeting, which was once every quarter, I believe, which all the brokers can come to and learn some of the new laws and stuff. And that's great. There needs to be more things like that. But, you know, it's just, it's kind of rare. You're an independent contractor and you're on your own. And it's like, yeah. go figure it out. And that's where we differ as a company. Like you're not on an island. You have us, you have resources. Don't ever feel alone. Don't ever feel like you can't ask questions. And I think those are the massive changes that need to be made in this industry. I love it. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Jen, thank you so much for doing this. Oh my gosh, this was so I appreciate it. Oh, you rock. I had a blast. So um, is there anything else that you would like to... uh, if there's a new agent out there, what would you say to them? This is not a side gig. This is not a side hustle. This is your customers deserve better. So mm-hmm. dig in. Don't ever think I've been doing this 18 years now. I've been licensed and you, I'm still learning things. There's a new nuance on a new contract that I'm still learning to this day. And so yeah. don't ever think that you know it all and you don't need to be at any education or learning or anything like that dig in get to know your industry you get paid well enough to be a professional the way anyone would go to a doctor and say fix me they're coming to you and they're saying help me figure out how to sell my biggest asset or buy buy an asset and you better know it backwards and forwards that's that'd be the best thing i'd say to any new agent dig in don't sit by on the sidelines and hope that your clients call you jump in amen Thanks for listening all the way through, guys. This is a newer podcast, so please leave a review so I can know how to be better. And let me know what I'm doing right, too. I like I like that stuff. So anyway, subscribe for more amazing stories and wisdom from incredible people. Catch you on the next Mentor Mountain, guys. Have a good one. Bye.